From a secret location in room 100 of 540 Jack Gibbs Boulevard, this is Craft. I'm your host, Doug Dangler. Marissa Silver was born in Shaker Heights, Ohio. She received a Guggenheim Fellowship in 2017 and has won the O. Henry Prize. Her fiction has been included in the Best American Short Stories and the O. Henry Prize Stories, as well as many other anthologies. Welcome to Craft, Marissa Silver. Thank you for having me. Well, uh, you'll be honored at the 2017 Ohioana Awards event on Friday, October 6th in the Ohio State House. Congratulations on winning an Ohioana Award. Thank you so much. I'm incredibly honored. So what's your reaction to returning to Ohio to receive the award? Well, I'm looking forward to it. I haven't I have never been to Columbus, although I have been to Ohio recently because my son goes to college there, so it hasn't been that long since I've been to the state. But um I have although I only I grew up there from uh, 0 to 7 in Cleveland, mm-hmm. and I have incredibly indelible memories of it and a lot of very um sense memories of weather and and the nature and you know things that a child would remember so it's a very happy memory for me and i'm very delighted to uh, have been included in this award mm-hmm. most people remember that i grew up uh, in toledo so i remember clouds uh yeah. and, and overcast skies and i assume well, i definitely same. remember i remember overcast skies the winter you know the kind of heavy lidded winter sky um and i remember uh cold which is <laughs> but i also you know i i remember playing i remember the woods i remember flowers i remember you know the sorts of things that i did as a kid which was to tromp around in in the woods behind my house so those were some pretty wonderful memories and i went on to move to new york city where certainly i didn't have those kinds of memories so um, it, it remains kind of indelible in my mind. Your most recent publication is Little Nothing, which tells the story of a child called Pavla, who's born a dwarf. And her parents' reaction to this sets the story in motion as, um, I think, kind of a fairy tale. So tell me mm-hmm. about writing this novel. Um, well, it was a really different book for me. Most of the novels and stories that I've written up until that point have been pretty much rooted in well, entirely rooted in reality of some kind. Um, But with this story, um, I sort of immediately started imagining it as a kind of fable, a very dark fable. And and, and in it, you know, many strange things happen to this this girl. Her body transforms over time in and out of human form, and it becomes a kind of parable about um, a woman's identity and survival. And um, it was incredibly fun to write precisely because it was so different from what I'd done before. It allowed me to stretch muscles that I didn't even know that I had um, in terms of my abilities, and um, it kind of made me push the boundaries of my own imagination in ways that were really exciting. So I loved doing it. Mm -hmm. When you went to, say, your publisher with the idea of writing uh, what for you, as you said, is a very different kind of book, was there what was the reaction? Uh, was it, uh, oh, go ahead and do whatever you'd like, or are you sure you want to veer off into fairy tales or something different like that? Um, you know, they, they were pretty um, open. I mean, I think that I was lucky enough to have publishers who were supportive of my work um, and and 
were very eager to see what I would come up with next. They were, you know, had published the previous book and and uh, had a good time doing that one. So I think they were just supportive. I think that um, the the best kinds of publishers and editors you can hope for are people who you know want you to grow and change as an author. And mine certainly did. You left a promising career in Hollywood directing movies, including He Said, She Said with Kevin Bacon and Elizabeth Perkins, so that you could go to graduate school for fiction writing. Mm-hmm. Is this transition something you would recommend to people considering <laughs> leaving their jobs? Well, probably not, not financially, but um, you know what I would recommend? I recommend a, a couple of things. It's been very exciting to have different chapters in my life, to have done um, different things in, in a deep way. That's a really exciting thing. And I also think you have to, if you can, if you have the wherewithal to be able to do it, to sort of follow your bliss. And, and um, I came to a point in the... Um, movie directing life where I felt like I wasn't really um, telling the kinds of stories that I wanted to tell and the kinds of stories I did want to tell were probably not readily the stuff of, you know, major motion pictures, quieter stories about character, about um, social realities. So I made a change and it was for me, you know, the best change. I really felt like I was, I had found a medium that was more suited to the kinds of stories that I wanted to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm happy that I made the change. So if I am reading your biography correctly, you directed your first movie while you were a student at Harvard. Is that right? Um, no, I, I left Harvard um, after two years and that's when I co-directed a documentary, and that was my first job. And then I um, then directed my first film um, when I was 22. So, um, yeah. Tell me about, um, it seems to me like those are two really, really different kind of processes, um, directing movies and taking care of um, what I have to think of as sort of a, a endless stream of details that are beyond your control versus writing where it's all under your control. Um, well, and you, you've exactly located one of the reasons why I wanted to make that change. Um, I, yes, you're right in that when you're directing, it's sort of like this train pulls out of the station and you're you know, kind of running ahead of it by just a half a foot, trying to keep ahead of it the whole time. Um, it can be, um, I mean, it can be exhilarating, and it's a wonderful form, and there are brilliant movies made by brilliant directors. Um, so it's certainly not to denigrate the form, but I think personally I felt like that process didn't allow me the kind of um, time and patience to construct the stories that I felt comfortable telling. So for me, it um, is a much better, better uh, thing to be in my room, um, just in my imagination, all by myself, making decisions that I want to make and not having to answer a hundred questions and deal with many, many different people. Um, you know, people always talk about you know the pleasures of film. Um, being that it's a collaborative art, and I think that's true, and I think that I actually prefer not to collaborate. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't be the first author that I've interviewed that yeah, had... Yeah, I think most <laughs> authors are really happy in their room by themselves not being bothered. Mm-hmm. Your first published story was in The New Yorker, uh, which is mm-hmm. a very impressive feat, I have to say. How did you process that when it happened to you? You're th- sitting there, you get an acceptance, I assume, and you go... Oh, my God, it's The New Yorker, uh, which would take, I would, uh, you know, my hats off. I wouldn't have the wherewithal to send it to The New Yorker because I don't need the rejection slip that I imagine would come right after that. (laughs) 
Well, you know, rejection is not something that really bothers me. So I'm, I'm, I'm of the mindset of like throw it all against the wall and see what happens. Um, if you don't ask, you don't get. But um, it was super thrilling. I mean, you know, I grew up. Um, my my mother was an avid New Yorker reader, and I, from you know earliest childhood, I, I saw that font come in the mail once a week, that New Yorker font that's so iconic. And to see my own fiction in that font was kind of this surreal and wonderful um, moment, and it felt, you know, it was everything that you could imagine it would be. It was really an honor and exciting, and, um, you know, it was, just, it was great. Were you able to share that with your mother to show her the story? Oh, of course. Yeah, okay. absolutely. And it was at that point that you became, you know, the best child in in the neighborhood uh, where they begin to calling up other people <laughs> and saying, this is what my daughter has done. What have your children done? I have to assume. Well, you know, every parent gets to dine out on their children's accomplishments, and I'm sure that my mother enjoyed it. <laughs> I was at a picnic in California many years ago, and upon hearing that I was from Ohio, a native Californian picked up a piece of brie and said, do you have this in Iowa? Oh, and, God. <laughs> <laughs> I assured them that yes, we have cheese in Ohio. So that's I, hilarious. I, I, um, <laughs> you know, sometimes yeah, I, I, I'm a believer that the, the kind of universal generalizations about California and certainly Southern California, they really hold not a lot of water. I mean, you know, there's no place that you can't find someone or some instance that will justify its you know, kind of bad reputation. But the truth is that California is, a, you know, a complex, various, um, wildly interesting place filled with people who know that there is cheese in the Midwest. <laughs> <laughs> and that Ohio and Iowa are two slightly different are places. Not the same thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> are not the same thing. Well, Marissa Silver, I thank you very much for talking to me today. And we're really looking forward to you coming to Columbus, Ohio for the first time on Friday, October 6th at the Ohio State House with the 2017 Ohio Anna Awards. Thank you. I really look forward to it. See you there. For more information from my guests, visit www.crafttheshow.com. This is Doug Dangler. Until next time, be creative. <laughs>